spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Welcome to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast with WHIO meteorologist McCall Rydags and Kirsty Zontini, brought to you by Jermaine Ford and Beaver Creek. Remember, you can listen to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast anytime you want on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and WHIO.com. Hey, McCall. Hey, Kirsty. We're outside today. Yeah, it's a nice warm day in the Miami Valley, and it's hard to believe with temperatures into the 90s this afternoon yeah. that it's the second day of October. It is, yeah. So October 2nd, if you're listening to this, this is a, the stretch of heat that we have had since really September ended up being the hottest mm-hmm. on record for us. and. Oh, we're going to finally get back to fall weather. Yeah, but sadly, because of the hot temperatures that we've had, we're in a moderate drought in most yeah. areas in the Miami Valley that it's causing some issues as we move into the fall color season. Exactly, yeah. So I feel like when October hits, everyone's like, okay, it's fall. I want to start to see the leaves change. I want to see beautiful colors. And we know in Ohio, our weather plays a part. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also just a lot of things every single season that will play a part into why the trees will change colors and drop their leaves. And so we, of course, need to get an expert. We could talk about the weather part, but we need an expert with us today that's going to talk a lot more about how the weather will impact our trees and our fall color this year. So we're going to join him. Yeah. We have Ohio Department of Natural Resources. This is Tyler Stevenson. And Tyler's actually a repeat guest. So if you're a fan of Cloudy with the Chance of Podcast, you may have seen and heard him last year. And welcome back, because last year we were wearing jackets. Yes, thank you. Thank you for bringing me back on such a beautiful <laughs> summer day. <laughs> sweating a little bit today, but uh, I'll take it. This has been quite an interesting year. Um, just Ohio weather-wise, we went from a really wet winter into a wet spring, into a drought, and a hot summer. Yeah. And how does that, and now we all have to see what how that'll play a part into fall. Yeah, and that, uh, that Dry summer and drought definitely push back the, the timing of the fall color. Um, and the, this warm weather absolutely affects it. Just you can see leaves falling right now. But yeah. regardless of that weather and, and what's happening right now, you know, as the, as the temperature starts to drop in the evening and, and we keep bright sunny days, the fall color will come out. And no yeah. matter where you are in Ohio, you can find pockets of, of beautiful fall color. So just because you're seeing some trees with brown leaves and, and leaves dropping off, that don't be don't yeah. be afraid to get don't out panic. there. Yeah, don't panic. <laughs> don't panic. Get out there and go see some fall color because it's out there. You just got to go to the right places. Um, a lot of a lot of people see fall color just you know out their backyard, out mm-hmm. their window from their yard. Um, some of the best places are out in our natural areas, our state forests, our state parks, our, our natural preserves, and that's because they have the the deep soils that I mean the trees have have stores of water and they're mm-hmm. able to to draw on that. They're not suffering from this, these dry conditions as much as our urban trees are. And you see a lot of that on those, even the forest edge trees that are subject to the, the winds and the, and the drying heat from the sun, mm-hmm. those start to turn earlier than when you look deeper into the forest and you see that the trees are still green, they're looking great. So 
just getting out there into the right spots and, and checking out the fall colors the, the way to go. Well, let's talk a little bit about the science of yeah. leaves changing color. So uh, chlorophyll is the main reason that the leaves are green. Correct, yes. Why do we then see those oranges, reds, and yellows reveal this time of year? Yeah, yeah. So all year we see the chlorophyll. It's the, the workhorse in, in the leaves that is uh, producing, taking sunlight energy and producing sugars for the tree to build wood and, and new uh, new leaves in, in the spring. Um, all year that that leaf is loaded with chlorophyll and it's continually uh, building it up and breaking it down as part of the photosynthetic process. Also in the leaves are carotenoids. There are other pigments, the, the oranges and the, yeah, the oranges and the yellows. And as that chlorophyll breaks down, the day, daylight gets shorter, chlorophyll starts to break down and knock it, get reproduced, mm -hmm. the other pigments start to show up. So you start to see those oranges and yellows. The, the reds and the purples, those actually are another pigment that's formed in the fall. So as, as like I said, as the daylight changes, the, the leaves are, are utilizing those anthocyanins, the reds and the purples, to help protect some of the, the chlorophyll so that it can continue to take some of the nutrients out of those leaves and store them in their twigs for, for the next spring. Nice. So it's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting process, and you, you can see a lot of that kind of stuff happen on leaves, the, the top, very top leaves that are exposed to bright sunlight because that, that anthocyanin is protecting the chlorophyll, so the leaves that are right there in the bright sunlight, they need that, that protection more than the leaves down below in the canopy, so you'll see those, them turn bright red right on mm -hmm. the top first, or, or a leaf that's shading another leaf, that bottom leaf will be green, the top leaf will be red. So you see that difference in the leaves. That's super interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm not yeah. sure I fully understood that part yeah. really yeah. until you just explained it. So yeah. oh, okay, good. Learning something new every day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I think that that's important to note that uh, every single year, you know, the days get shorter, the nights will cool down, and that process will begin no matter what. Absolutely. Then there are some other variables that I guess can probably determine how long the color season is. Um, how vibrant the colors are. Yep. So I guess what is some of the maybe weather phenomena that could impact that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. So the, the vibrancy, I, I mean, I, the the oranges and yellows, like I said, they're always there. They're they're pretty much going to be the same every year. It's those the the bright oranges, the the reds that mix with the yellows, because it's it's all about you know cut, remember back to your primary colors mm -hmm. and how they mix. And so as those uh, the the anthocyanins they are produced they they're really relying on you know moist conditions and and having because uh, it's a sugar the sugar that's producing in the leaves for for uh, photosynth from photosynthesis that really brings on the anthocyanins and having the those present in the leaf is important so drought mild drought is actually okay for uh, anthocyanin production but when you get into the more deeper drought and and drier summers and drier septembers and octobers you might not have as vibrant of a red you still will have it but it you know you get some of those really know, black yeah. gums and and mm -hmm. even dogwoods and ash that have that just bright red sometimes and it's it's a it can it can infect the intensity and 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 the timing is more uh, like what you're talking about with uh, the summer and the drought that that definitely affect affected when we'll see our peak color that like I said it'll go more probably for, for this area into early November will be our peak season that's pretty oh. exciting yeah, that's, for us it's a change definitely from years in the past so yeah. that the prediction is right early okay. November yeah, we're all about <laughs> predictions as meteorologists so we get it but that's but good no, that, that is pretty cool yeah normally we're mid to late October and yeah. I know that yeah. when we have seasons where it gets cold really fast it can that it, the colors quick. come a lot sooner because yeah. the trees will be shedding their leaves earlier yeah, but, but perhaps because we have been warmer and drier later 
color that that makes sense that yeah, the color would be a little bit. I think little people bit. are definitely panicking. Yeah. Yes, they're, they're going to really miss nervous. It. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's kind of cool. That's that, and you mentioned it with the temperature. With that, that anthocyanin is is really tied to the the cool nights. So the mm -hmm. you know cool nights above freezing. We don't want the freezing right because that could damage not, yeah, it could damage yeah. that whole process. But if we have that nice cool night, it's really going to start producing that chemical, and that's when you get that. Like you said, when we have those early cool September's and cool early cool October's, it comes in early. But because yeah. it's been so warm, it's just delaying that process. <laughs> well, hey everyone, that is some good news. That is good that's news. exciting. <laughs> I also you kind of mentioned this. Already, and I do think that this is um, a kind of a point that most people see in panic. Like, if I, we're sitting here and we are on the outer edge of this park that has some deeper trees, and so of course we are starting to see some of the trees, at least right around here, um, shedding the leaves, or they just kind of went brown. And, and that, like the tree that we're sitting next to, what is the tree we're sitting next to? I know so if you're watching us, you'll be able to see this, but if not, explain this tree. This is a London plane tree. It's uh, it's not actually a, a native to Ohio, but uh, the sycamore is, which is a, a in the same uh, genus as it. This is a, a platanus genus. Um, and it is a, it's a hardy urban tree that we plant in urban environments all the time. It's a great street tree, uh, similar to honey locust over here. Um, and we're seeing this turn brown. The, you got to think about the conditions right here where we're at. This is a pretty heavily used park. Right. Um, you look at some of the walkways and areas where people walk, the soils are heavily compacted. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the moisture in the soils, there's not a, a good duff layer. That's that layer of decomposing leaf mm -hmm. and, and okay. twig matter. There is virtually nothing here because we mow through here and pick up the leaves. So there's no uh, mulch layer that you know you mulch around your trees. That actually keeps moisture in the soil, keeps it from evaporating. So because none of that is here, this this tree is under some pretty stress. pretty good stress. Yes, yeah. water stress. And its reaction is, hey, uh, it's easy. I'll just drop these leaves. Right. right. And I'm, <laughs> done. Survive. I'm done yeah. for the season. Yeah. Well, and that's similar to what people are seeing in their neighborhoods. Yeah. And I think that's exactly. what most people are noticing right nervous. now is that their tree in their front yard. Is is dropping kind of its leaves. Yeah. yeah, a little stress, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but it, but like I said, it's it's nothing to be concerned about as far as fall color because it's out there, particularly in our, like I said, our natural areas. You get out to, to the state lands, mm -hmm. the state parks, your metro metro parks that are, have some pocketed deep forest areas where they have the deep soils and, and have retained moisture throughout the year. They're, they're going to have that great fall color. Yeah. yeah, we talked about this, I think, last year, and because you mentioned mulch, um, that there's actually it's better to have your mulch layer perhaps a bit wider from the tree. Does that help to hold the moisture in a little bit more? Yeah. Because I remember being shocked by that because you always think to put just a small mulch bed right. around yeah. your tree. Yeah. But it's better to have it out to the drip line. Yes, exactly. And that, that's the thing. A lot of people think of mulch as like a part of their decoration, part of their landscaping as mm -hmm. far as an aesthetic view of maybe keeping weeds down, things like that. But really, you're, you're just trying the idea is to mimic forest conditions. You want to recreate that duff layer, that, that thick layer of organic matter that not only holds in soil moisture, but is also recycling nutrients into the soil as that woody material breaks down. The trees are utilizing those nutrients and sucking them up and using them in the photosynthesis process and building new wood and new leaves. So mulching out to the drip line is really just trying to recreate that uh, forest condition and the drip line is the, the the area where the leaves extend out to you can okay. uh, the roots go out farther than that you yeah, can definitely right. <laughs> mulch your whole yard. front yard <laughs> you can definitely mulch your whole front yard if you think of. but the, the other thing we mentioned last year was you don't want to mulch right up to the trunk because right, that, that's suffocate it right yeah it's it's a uh, we call it mulch volcanoes because yeah. it looks like just a volcano right at the trunk and it's just it's uh it's not a good practice because it's it's a great 
environment for pathogens. So fungal pathogens that can grow in there, it's not a good thing. And then there's the, the potential for girdling roots, which are roots that were already circling potentially from a tree that was in pot bound in the nursery and it has these roots that are circling. Now the root's gonna come up into that mulch layer and circle around and actually girdle the trunk of the tree. Oh, yeah. so, so having that mulch up against the trunk is not a good thing. We say two, three inches away from the trunk of the tree and then two or three inches out to the drip line deep uh, of mulch is the best best way for your tree. Nice. See, we retain, we retain the know, knowledge that you gave us last year. <laughs> uh, so another thing um, that we talk about when we say fall color season, which is exciting because we're kind of delaying the whole mm -hmm. 40s, upper 30s for the nights. So that means that we may have that prolonged fall color season, maybe not peaking until end of October, early November. But will that be helpful because uh, the reason that the leaves fall has to do with the cold right you start to get that abscission layer yes yeah and so then we oftentimes get the nervous technical term that yeah, you know. yeah. <laughs> we oftentimes get nervous when we start to have the cold nights because we know okay that layer is starting to form and then it gets rainy and windy and all the leaves fall that is definitely let's for the talk timing. about <laughs> let's talk about this year though because if this whole process is a little bit delayed we may be seeing the color change. We're not really getting into the, at least for us, we can yeah. see a couple weeks out. We're not getting into super cold nights quite yet. Yeah. So would that help if we end up getting maybe a little stormier or windier that we're not just gonna see all the leaves fall all at once? Yeah, potentially because they're they're still green and holding on yeah. to them. Yeah, but I, I would say so the, the, the length, we had talked about the, the length of, of fall color season, that is definitely dependent on not only the temperature because it's building that abscission layer mm -hmm. between the, the leaf petiole or the stem of the leaf and the, and the twig. It's building a corky, almost like bark-like layer between those two because it wants to protect everything back from the leaf mm -hmm. during the cold winter. Right. And that abscission layer just knocks that leaf right off. So if it's building that up, in, in cold temperatures and then we get a, a strong wind or a hard yeah. rain, mm -hmm. it's gonna knock those leaves right off. So we could, I mean, th that's the thing. We could, I know, I know. Here, here's the here's Wait, the you can't tell us 100%? No, I cannot tell you 100%. <laughs> what I can tell you is every Wednesday at uh, uh, fallcolor.ohiodnr.gov, we do a fall color update. So we're trying to track this stuff weekly. Wonderful. Just like you guys do with yeah. the, your right, daily. But we'll do, yeah. we'll do a weekly update with a, a YouTube video that, that kind of goes through what's happening with the weather, what we see in the trees, where the best fall color is showing up in the state. Obviously, it comes from the north down through the south. Mm. But uh, we'll go to different parks throughout the, the state and different natural areas and, and interview with uh, naturalists and foresters and park managers and, and give you the most up-to-date of where you can go and see the best fall color in Ohio. I think that's great because I think that this might be a year, McCall, where people need to maybe do a little hiking. Yes. You know, yeah. it's going to be a good fall season to, like he said, get into some of the deeper parks where you can really yeah. see that color last a little warm longer. Enough. You guys yeah. have Houston Woods here. You yes. have John Bryan, Sycamore, Caesar Creek. You got a lot, a state, got a lot right of state parks around you. And, and if you want to venture farther into the, you know, the Appalachians of yeah. Ohio, you get out to our, some of our state forests like Shawnee. Mm -hmm. You want to get away from people. Mm -hmm. and just be with the leaves yeah go head down to shawnee or or side of the trail or i mean if you're into the crowds you can head over to hawking and, and hang out with yes, everyone and I'm do a some leaf peeping so there I know, you go I know yes. hawking hills. <laughs> uh, beautiful great, beautiful great place. park really great state gorgeous. forest we're yes. actually doing another i mentioned this last year was our uh hawking forest state uh fall color tour oh, cool. um, and just like last year 
I'm blanking on the date, but it is on our website. That's okay. Yeah. Fallcolor.ohio.com. We'll put it in the description. Oh, God, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put it in the description like for October, everyone. So end of October. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, well, we had talked a little bit before we, before we started this podcast because um, obviously our Memorial Day tornado outbreak was huge. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, devastating, and people are still very much recovering. Um, of course, we talk about people, but our natural resources in the Miami Valley are also trying to recover, and that does include our trees. Yeah, I, I was just in Brookville last week, and I could see in the neighborhood there that was hit in Terrace Park, you know, the trees are just cool. chopped to pieces. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what is the assessment of our trees locally, um, and, and what are some good indicators for people that may have a tree in their front lawn and not knowing whether or not they should take it down? Yeah, yeah that's that's a question we get a lot, and then we put out some, some press releases regarding that, and Arbor Day Foundation actually has some good information on after the storm, mm -hmm. what to look for. Uh, your best bet is to hire an ISA certified arborist to come evaluate your tree. A lot of this kind of stuff is a wait and see. Um, you know, you can have a tree that's completely stripped of its leaves, major branches broken off, but the core of the tree, the main central leaders there, and some of the scaffold branches are still there. That tree can fully recover. So Aww. a lot of people, you know, will because you know there oftentimes you have damage to your home associated with trees and, and their natural reaction is to cut them down right but that's definitely not the approach anyone should take because then you're losing that valuable resource you had next to your home that was shading your home that was providing beauty for your home and, and lots of other ecosystem services that we can get into but that wait and see approach is is i think very important unless there is some major defect or split or something that to your eyes looks well this this could it be dangerous right. yeah get get a certified arborist there take a look at it and that maybe they can uh, apply some mitigation to secure that whether it's bracing or some sort of uh, reduction pruning to to make sure that tree can last in the future Shop Jermaine Ford of Beaver Creek, minutes away with an experience miles above. Delivering the right car, the right price, the right way to the Miami Valley and beyond. Take advantage of our low price tire guarantee and extended service hours on Saturday. With same day appointments and mobile service options available, our goal is to fix your car right the first time, on time, every time. Just off of 35 east of 675, Jermaine Ford of Beaver Creek. Have you had an opportunity to go out and, and see some of the trees that were damaged by the tornadoes? I have, yeah. I was, I was out a uh, couple, uh, within a week of, of the tornadoes, I went out and, and checked out a lot of the areas. Uh, we went out, we were over in Sinclair Park, uh, got called in with uh, some of the other resources from ODNR um, to see about actually uh, salvaging. I mean, they had a yeah. ton of huge uh, white oaks and, and red oaks and, and trees just laying on the ground. We were looking at, well, this is, let's not waste this resource. It, none of that stuff actually panned out. We're still figuring stuff out. But mm -hmm. on top of that, we actually uh, worked with the, the city of Dayton, uh, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, and the city of Beaver Creek, and deployed our urban forest strike team. And that is, uh, you're like, what no, is that? that? I was like, I'm like, that's like, my next question. <laughs> yeah, whoa, like covert we operation. Don't, yeah, I know. We don't have capes or utility belts. Uh, and it's probably a misnomer. But but it is, it's based on a lot of the incident command system. We all go through the incident command system, which is what fire and, and uh, natural disaster response, they all go through that kind of uh, training that FEMA puts on. Um, it was so the way the urban forest strike team initiative started was it, down in the southern states when they had all the major hurricanes running through there was hurricane after hurricane after mm -hmm. hurricane the southern state coordinators uh, uh, 
my counterparts in the southern states and the state foresters and the U.S. Forest Service, they were seeing a lot of things happening in these communities that they felt if, if, if we could intervene, we can help help these communities better respond to this. They were seeing trees removed that shouldn't have been removed because, I mean, tree companies get taken up during these. I mean, everyone needs a tree company right. to come do something. So tree companies come from all over. Not all of them have all the training and, and skills and certifications that they need to properly assess risk and, and tree health. And so trees that shouldn't have been removed were being removed, therefore reducing canopy in that community that later on. Trees that should have been removed weren't being removed, which is a huge public risk. Right. Um, safety, you need to have safety after incidents like that. Um, and then on top of that, the, the work was being done and you know some communities don't understand the, the process with FEMA to get reimbursed for that disaster work. If you don't collect the data and, and properly document the work that's being done, FEMA, they're very particular about how that's collected. And, and if you're not doing it correctly, you might not get the full reimbursement mm -hmm. from, from FEMA. So the idea was let's, let's gather together some uh, certified arborists, urban foresters, third party, folks to come in, evaluate your trees, collect the data, and hand that over to the municipality so that they can get the work done properly and, and potentially get full reimbursement from, from FEMA for a lot of the storm recovery work. So, so has your uh, strike team yeah. gone out and assessed uh, a lot of the areas that were impacted by the trees, and how long is the process for determining which trees are healthy and which trees need to come down? Yeah, and, and it's, it's more, um, so, so the majority of our task specialists that are make up the strike team, um, they're actually uh, city foresters, urban foresters from other municipalities. So we had, uh, I want to say, 30 uh, city foresters from around the state, from wow. as far away as Strongsville and Stowe and Worthington. They all came down here to help out. And, and that happened in, in the recovery stages anyway with yeah, the mutual, right. mutual aid, a lot of communities and our uh, ODOT came and helped out with stuff too. But we're more in the recovery, getting into the late, late response, early recovery uh, stage of, of it. And so um, we bring in these urban foresters and, and I'm forgetting the question now. <laughs> I was saying, uh, where are you guys in the process? Oh, in the of, process. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so we came in and and assessed. So it's it's a we set up a command center at the city of Dayton, um, and did we actually did a, a quick uh, training on the uh, uh, the process because we used tablets with ArcGIS online, mm -hmm. and we hadn't done we did a we did a mock disaster in Toledo in 2016. So we all needed a refresher training on mm -hmm. what the the FEMA guidelines were for collecting this data. So we did a, a quick half-day training, and then we send uh, crews of two out into the field, and they collect data on a tablet, uh, uh, take down the, the species, the sizes, uh, the, the damage that's associated with the tree that is according to the FEMA guidelines, and then we assign a risk rating so okay. that the community, therefore, can take that information and prioritize their work based on, is this a high priority or a low priority? And they can uh, handle the, the, the response in that manner. Um, so, so we did, uh, we assessed 458 trees in wow. Dayton and, and part, uh, part of Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and Beaver Creek. Wow, that's a lot of trees. It, it was, but we had a, a great team of, of very dedicated volunteers is what yeah. they are. Yeah. And, and they came down here and, and assessed the, the, the damage for the, for the communities. And, and Dayton, I mean, these communities are on top of it anyway. Yeah. But they, they definitely appreciated some, an extra hand to help out because it's, it's 
the, you guys witnessed so, yeah, the devastation. Yeah, it was, it was I've, I've gone into those neighborhoods. I've been, you know, where it's been hardest hit. Um, and it is sad. Not only are the houses and the, you know, yeah. lives torn apart there, but um, to see our trees damaged the way that they are, it does make me feel kind of good that we have a s specialists that are yeah. going in there and saying, okay, this tree, this while it okay. looks bad, right. doesn't necessarily need to come down. Because exactly. I wouldn't know. I would no, just I would think, know, oh, no. I, I better take that down and make that some firewood right now. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's really, really interesting. Do you, I, I don't know if you know these numbers off the top of your head or any sort of ballpark, um, but like did the Dayton area have a lot of high-risk trees or you know what I mean like do you know anything a little bit deeper about we handed the data over to data and I'm not sure how I didn't uh, do any summary of it before okay. I because they they like I said they're pretty on top of it they have their yeah. own GIS specialists and, yeah. and urban foresters very qualified urban foresters so they they definitely took the data and they were they actually um, were ready to go out and work on and they had done a lot of work already mm -hmm. it's just they they were ready to go out the, the following week with the, even with a contractor to, to go and, and handle some of these so the but they were waiting for that official process yeah. as you were mentioning probably no, not not at all I mean nope. they, I mean they were out there the day Doing after yeah people. yeah and that that's the thing I mean you you have to you know clear your right of ways and, and make sure that right. there's not things yeah. safe but but the thing is like uh, what you'll see in some some of the trees that when we were out there is they were hangers like branches broken off and, and still hanging the tree whereas right after that happens they might be hard to see because the leaves are I mean the tr sometimes right. the canopies are still full and, yeah. and full of leaves green leaves and all of a sudden they start turning brown that's when you can see them yeah. yes. and you're like oh there's a huge <laughs> gotta take care of that especially on a, a broad swath like this mm -hmm. was I mean it's you're looking at a lot of trees and a lot of the the initial assessments are these drive-bys where you're you're really triaging the area mm -hmm. and just getting the, the worst of the worst ones and that you can visually just see right away. exactly yeah and you don't have someone walking around the whole tree and looking at every part of the canopy and, and that's that's when you get really detailed and say oh you see that right there and you enter that data in and that that is really helpful to the community because it might take them you know another couple weeks to get there yeah. I think it's important if you own a tree that you see something like that um, that you should let the the proper people know right. about that because I, I think ahead into the winter time you get a good ice storm that, yeah. that could bring down one of those limbs and, and yeah. you know Absolutely. that could cause more damage to your property yeah exactly. yeah and, and so let me clarify this too the, the strike team we only look at public trees so only the trees between the curb and the sidewalk and right. park trees so we aren't necessarily we are not in homes if, yeah so yeah. If, if we do see a, a private property tree that can affect the right-of-way mm -hmm. that is could be risky to people in the right-of-way that's definitely some data we collect for them but as far as the homeowner the going back to hiring a certified arborist yeah. or getting a consultant to come in to, to come look at their trees and, and being certified I think is very important too because they've uh, shown that they've taken the initiative to get further education and skill in that in our industry and and be able to take that to to your property is way better than having someone that is just removing trees are expensive oh yeah so if you yeah, can so hire can, someone that knows what they're talking about that can say like hey actually your tree is totally salvageable or we can do this process to save it absolutely you are going to save yourself money as money. well so you know that that's something to think about it may you may think like well just cut it down that's a lot of money so it may be worth your time to just pay the arborist to come and, and give you maybe a little bit better news than you than you would have expected absolutely
Wow, that, I did not know all of that about the trees being evaluated after the tornado. That's like very, well, very And this is our first deployment. Like I said, we yeah. did a mock, mock disaster in Toledo in 2016, and, and I did a, a team leader training out in Connecticut in 17. We didn't do much in 18, and then this hit, and it was like, well, wow, we've got right. this ready to go. Let's, yeah. let's, let's deploy them. Yeah, yeah, so this is our first deployment, and I think it went, it was very successful, and I think we got a, a got our feet underneath us for when this happens next, because it, it's not if. It's when. No, it is yeah. when, right, it yeah. is, it's most definitely when. Sadly. Um, this is kind of a curveball question. <laughs> You're I'm like, ready. oh, man. <laughs> uh, obviously, our changing climate is something that everyone should be talking about. Um, and I had listened to another podcast where someone had done a study about being able to plant more trees and how that can kind of help just, of course, with the air we breathe. Um, but as we take trees down to build homes and, and expand, that we should re be replacing them. So it's almost like touching back on Arbor, our Arbor Day talk that we had last year. Oh, yeah. But why is something like that important and why we shouldn't just ignore, like cut down the tree and just move on? Like, why is it important to kind of be replenishing the resources that we use? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, as far as uh, sequestering carbon, I mean, that is absolutely, you know, one of the main greenhouse gases. Right. If we can have more trees, all the better, They take right? it, yeah, yeah. They're, they want it. We don't want yeah. it, the trees want it. Yeah. And, and so when, when you get into like, uh, um, you know, we use trees to build homes, uh, furniture, I mean, it's a re our renewable natural resource. We utilize trees, and we should be utilizing trees. In, in our forests, if we can manage them properly, natural regeneration occurs. Trees are already in the understory growing up. When you harvest a tree that is utilized to, to build your home, another tree is coming up right in its place. Whereas in the urban areas, we don't have natural regeneration here. Right. We mow lawns. We mulch i mean it's just not something that happens right. so when you have something like this come through it is imperative that we replant yeah. i mean that's the only way we're going to get our urban canopy in most would argue not most a lot of us would argue <laughs> the most important trees a lot of us urban guys as i said the tree guys, the, the, tree guys. <laughs> the most important trees are the ones that are around us every day these yes. urban trees mm -hmm. i mean they are the ones that are providing the shade the cooling temperatures yeah. and sequestering the carbon taking particulate matter out of the air that, that we're producing in our our power plants and from our vehicles that, that those are the trees that really affect us on a day-to-day -day yes. level yeah. so so like i said when something like this comes through to get out there and replant trees and, and have a canopy getting established again is, is very important for the the livability of our communities yeah and that is such a good point about the fact that, yes, we are in urban areas, we are in cities, mm -hmm. and those trees are basically a natural air filter to you. So we want For us them. sitting right here. Us sitting yes. right here. No, yeah. I mean, it's, it's very true. So it might not be something that you think about on a daily basis, but it is important to know that uh, you've got a natural filter that's taking out, you know, when we have... Um, like our ozone days, when yep. we get really hot and we have to air talk quality about smog alert days. air quality yep. alert and all that stuff is like, well, the more trees you have, like that will help in those situations. Mm -hmm. So again, sorry, that was kind of a curveball, no, no, but I it was that. something I was thinking <laughs> yeah. about when I, when you look at like the Google aerial images of, of yes. all the canopy that got wiped out during that tornado outbreak, mm -hmm. we want that canopy mm -hmm. back. Absolutely. We got to plan it to get it back. So, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have to cut down the bad ones. No, just exactly. give it some time. Right. Give it yeah. some time. Get wait, it evaluated see and yeah. see what happens. Yep. <laughs> I love it. All right, we're gonna end real quick on your. I'm gonna make you just say it again. Talk about fall prediction for your colors. 
So Please, thank you. I am <laughs> predicting that you can find a beautiful area to see fall color this year, <laughs> regardless of the weather, because there are areas in Ohio that, you know, have the soil moisture and have the, the conditions that are perfect for seeing vibrant, long-lasting fall colors this year. You just got to get out and find it. It's out there in our state parks. It's out there on our state forest lands. It's out there in our natural preserves. It's, it's something that, that you just need to get outside and go, go check out. I predict a, another good fall color season in Ohio. Yeah, and then Summer. timing of it for us? Timing is, is definitely going to be pushed back because of the weather. So we're probably looking uh, in the Dayton region end to beginning, end of October into the beginning of November for our fall color, for our peak fall color. And peak is kind of subjective. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. you might like the this, this species that puts on this color. You right. might like this species. And those are different times of years. I like black gums mm -hmm. right, right at the beginning. Uh -huh. You know, so it's... It's depending on what you like. All right. Excellent. Thank you so that much, was Tyler. Yeah, no thanks for joining us again, Tyler. Thank you. Always great. And remember, if you want to listen or watch, uh, we have more vodcasts that McCall and I have been doing. Right. So you could uh, download our WHO app, which is on our streaming device for Apple TV, Roku, as well as Amazon Fire, correct? Amazon? I think I got yes, that. Yes, yes. Okay. And then Google Play. Stitcher, WHIO.com, and Apple Podcasts to always listen to the episodes as well. So thanks so much for joining us, and thanks so much for listening. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S.com, code SUPER24.